You are listening to the Enormo Cast. The Enormo Cast presents La Sportiva Legends. Welcome to the lineup of the most legendary climbing shoes ever made. The performance majesty of the Mira, the OG downturned innovation of the Testarossa, the El Cap dominance of the TC Pro, the precision power of the Solution, and that brilliant all-rounder, the Mythos. All legends, all still leading the pack, all of them immortal. 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 And now, coming in spring 2022, the venerable Katana Lesop gets an update to legend status. So many legendary shoes, it's easy to forget that Sportiva is still innovating with legends in the making like the indoor dominating theory. So if the word legend is something that makes you want to buy shoes, check out both the new and legendary at Sportiva.com or your favorite shop. You're good enough, you're smart enough, and you deserve a legend. Did I say legend enough? You think they got it? All right. That's a wrap. In this topsy-turvy world, where we are presented with one divisive issue after another, the Enormacast has always believed that we, as a global community of climbers striving for a more perfect world, can agree on one simple thing. Titanium on a baseball hat is fucking cool. OG Enormacast sponsor Peter W. Gilroy came upon this simple, obvious truth during a fever dream some years ago and started producing his amazing splitter hats with mountain-inspired titanium plaques to universal acclaim. That's right, folks. Titanium on hats. Don't believe that's possible or don't believe you can handle it? Don't be absurd. After all, you sent the yellow root on your second try last Tuesday, you sick little bird. So reward yourself or a loved one and go check out all of Peter's mountain-inspired accessories and jewelry, and yes, splitter hats, over at PeterWGilroy.com and enter Enormo at checkout for a discount and to help the Enormacast. That's PeterWGilroy.com. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, a big house. place. That's, out. Out. That's a big nice. place. You sold oh, it out. Out. I'll say, we really, really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed climbing with you. We'll make it. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes and the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enormacast. This is your host, Chris Kalous. It is about 9 a.m. on the 28th of February, 
2022 for those of you tuning in from the future. And this is episode 237 of the Enormacast, a conversation with Anna Hazelnut. And I have had a lot of coffee this morning, so I am deliberately trying to slow my speech, but that's probably not going to last very long. Good place to mention Bonfire Coffee. Get a discount on Bonfire Coffee at bonfirecoffee.com. Enter Norma at checkout. I sort of found Anna Hazelnut on the internet, as you might have as well, which means this old crusty climber is delving into the world of Instagram superstars again. Checking it out. Dipping in. Anna recently made news because she climbed an infamous climb over in the UK called Once Upon a Time in the Southwest. And uh, yeah, so she climbed that and uh, the, the kind of legend that goes with it, which uh, turns out to be somewhat true, a truish, a truish statement that uh, she had never climbed any harder than 5'9 on gear before doing this route, which is hard on the coast somewhere in the UK, in the Southwest, I presume, somewhere in the Southwest because of the name. Anyhow, we'll get to that in just a sec. Um, the only business I want to do today is to mention that the AAC's gala, gala, I still don't know how to pronounce that word, gala, 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 gala sounds the best, gala is coming up on the weekend of the 25th through 27th of March, and um, I just wanted to give a shout out, not because I'm in any way professionally affiliated with the AAC, I like the AAC. I have many, many friends that work at the AAC, and uh, they invited me to come over, but um, I'm not going to be able to make it because my parents are in town that week for the first time since pre-pandemic, and uh, my son and my birthday is on the 25th. We share the birthday. Belongs to him now. I don't I don't really care anymore. But uh, yeah, so we're going to be out of town in uh, Moab, Utah, so I'm going to miss it, which is a bummer because uh, my friends Jordan Cannon and Mark Hudon are sort of the keynote presenters. Ashley up at the Sharp End Podcast is doing a live podcast, which I, I would love to see and help out with. And uh, yeah, it's just going to be a lot of fun. So if that's something that interests you and you live anywhere around or want to travel to Denver that weekend, um, go over to the AAC site and check it out, their annual benefit gala gala gala. So yeah, 26th, 27th of March. Did I say February before? I might have. I'm not going to go back and edit that though. I'm saying March now. Now on to the interview with Anna. I started watching Anna on the internet, Instagram. She's got a YouTube channel, um, sort of one of these younger, she's not super young, but uh, climbers who have kind of made their renown by using social media. And as you know, from not just this show, but also the run out, um, I can be a little cynical about that. But what I like to do on this show is break through that, break through my own crust, and nevertheless reach out to these people and, and find out what's going on. Because as usual, I am surprised pleasantly to know that my cynicism is unfounded. It's just uh, it's just part of being a pre-internet generation. I'm suspicious. But I've been following Anna for a little while, and interestingly, um, I actually was in the same room with her and Lander at the Gannett Grill waiting for food, and I was like, oh, there she is in that internet way of like recognizing somebody's face. I usually have to talk before anyone recognizes me. But yeah, I see her, but she was like hanging out with her posse. And I was like, oh, I can't, I, I hate the cold attack in terms of like, hey, do you want to do the Enormacast? Like I swagger in, you know, this dude of a certain age, 
just like coming in hot from across the bar, you know, beer in hand. I'm sure that'd be like, uh, yeah, I'm uncomfortable now. Anyhow, I put it in the back of my head and I did a less uncomfortable thing of simply messaging her and asking her if she'd like to do the Enorma cast. And she said, yes. Amazing. I'm still like, I don't know. I'm still like sort of shy about asking people to do the show. Isn't that fucked up? 10 years later with all the success, almost nobody has said no. A couple people, but almost no one has said no. And yet I'm still weirded out by asking people to do the show. That's a little secret, a little secret for you guys. Anyhow, we got the show done. We talked about the E9 over there in the UK. We talked about how she became so good at that so quickly and a bunch of other stuff. I even awkwardly asked her about what it's like to be a woman in the climbing sphere and the internet sphere, social media sphere. So that's very enlightening. So here we go. Nice, long, fun interview with Anna Hazelnut. Brr. It's wintertime, buckaroos. As my daddy still says, it's colder than a well driller's took us out there. Which means them doggies are shivering and you got death metal blasting in the dark of the early morn because you're on your way to go ice climbing. And though in this cowpoke's opinion, they should be staging an intervention rather than stoking the addiction, Black Diamond is and has always been at the forefront of innovation when it comes to pure ice and mixed climbing. I mean, just look at the names of Black Diamond's ice tools for crying out loud. The Cobra, the Reactor, the Fuel, the Viper. How the hell are you not going to feel like a boss wielding two Vipers in your hands? Of course, it helps to forget that Vipers generally would stay away from ice or go dormant in those temperatures, as would Cobras. But try not to think about that while you're swinging your way up a glorious blue chunk of God's frozen creation. So once the natural euphoria of rewarming your hands begins to ebb, head over to BlackDiamondEquipment.com or your favorite local shop and check out BD's Ice Tools, Ice Screws, Apparel, and all the other accoutrement that goes with scraping up frozen rock and water. Because hell, aren't we really just here for the accoutrement? I'm curious uh, when I talk to someone like you, you know, and, and looking back through your social media, and that's how I found out about you. I just, you know, I follow climbers and the thing suggests to follow other climbers and I end up, you know, following all the climbers. And so I think I, yeah, I've probably been following you for, I don't know, a couple of years, maybe not quite that long, but it seems like you were sort of, um, and you can correct this because I'm only like looking at what I could find on the internet. Um, you were sort of a, a van life or, or, you know, kind of, normal if you will climber yeah out there climbing and at some point you did seem to make a conscious decision to pivot to at least some level of becoming a public figure whatever you want to count that level um, as a social media person I kind of wanted to ask about that evolution because a lot of climbers would prefer you know just to go climbing and and I think we all kind of have part of that in us of just being this unknown climber out there doing the things that we love but here I am with this stupid podcast. So I made a decision to become a public figure yeah. or, or at least try to. Um, and it worked out or didn't work out. I mean, depends on how you feel about that. It worked that, out. Yeah. 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 Well, whether I wanted to be one or not. Sure. Um, it, so, so there's a choice. And we were just talking about how it comes with these disadvantages. It comes with, with this, uh, you know, this need to, to post daily and, and to answer messages and all these other sort of downsides. So 
can you talk a little bit about that evolution, whether it was a moment or whether it was something that kind of you just started to see build and thought you'd take take the reins of or or how that kind of happened from average sort of woman out there climbing to uh internet personality or and someone who's pursuing you know sponsorship and and a professional level of climbing it's a really good question because i feel like i've gone through so many phases in the process uh in high school or whatever before like when instagram wasn't so popular i was kind of against all social media and i didn't really want an instagram i didn't really want a facebook i had one just because at the time it was how you did group projects and things for university so i was kind of anti-social media and then i remember my my freshman year of university my like dorm mate you know, my roommate, she was like, you should totally make an Instagram for your climbing. I was like, that's kind of weird, right? She's like, no, it's awesome. You never know what will happen from it. So she literally like grabbed my phone and made an Instagram for me. And then from then on, I was like, okay, it'll just be for climbing because I don't really feel like posting my private life online makes any sense. Like this just doesn't, it's like a, a completely foreign world to me. So I had this like Instagram and I only posted climbing photos on it and like some videos, I think. And then at some point, I think people kind of started following me and maybe I had like a couple thousand followers and I realized, oh wow, like people kind of like this. And so then I started going like 100% in, I started posting four or five times a week and just like doing what what everyone says you have to do to grow, you know? And I was like looking up things online, like, okay, maybe if I, if I just like put my heart into this, this will work. And then I think that I totally got burnt out and it was maybe like uh, last year or two years ago when I just realized that I didn't have to post every day. I didn't have to do any of this. It's just for fun. So I kind of put my foot off of the gas pedal and just started like relearning how to just be I guess mentally okay with having a social presence because at this point it was like growing maybe to 10k something around there and I was like this is really cool but it's not going to consume my life and of course it was kind of when I took that step back that everything exploded because I was like focusing more on climbing and and traveling and doing what I actually wanted to do and then getting photos of that and like oh like here's a random photo or here's like a funny clip of me just like not caring and then now we're here (laughs) I think it's easy to let it consume your life and sometimes it's like a lot you know you're like trying to post or whatever so I try not to do that like I only post when I feel like it yeah and I guess then the question embedded in that um because that's sort of like the logistics of using it it's interesting I think uh Mary Eden told me the exact same story of someone (laughs) making her her Instagram profile first like in, you know, taking her phone and saying, you need to do this and, and making it for us. So it's kind of interesting that it's the same thing sort of happened to you. I guess in, also in the question, though, is that, um, you know, that switch to kind of wanting what's mm. what comes with it. And, and uh, you know, there was a, a question I might ask somebody from 20 years ago of just like, well, when did you decide to start, you know, bugging people about giving you free shoes? You know, that was kind of like right. how you did it okay. then. What do you think was a turning point of saying like, well, if I keep building this, I'll get, you know, maybe make this life in climbing for myself versus like a billion other things that you could pursue while you're while you're a climber or sort of sub question D is that are you what are you pursuing besides uh, just being a climber? Yeah, I guess in a roundabout way, I did just talk you through my whole Instagram experience, but Mm -hmm. I guess the main point of it was it was always to do it. 
as being a climber. Like the second my friend took my phone or my roommate, um, mm-hmm. she took my phone and made an Instagram. It was solely for the purpose of doing something with climbing. Like it was completely, mm-hmm. uh, even though I, I guess I wasn't necessarily hands-on from the start, it was always with the intention of like, maybe this something will happen from this. And I guess the moment when I really started taking that seriously was when I started getting followers, maybe 10K or so. I was like, okay, I'm officially in the public eye. And even if it's not that much, it's still kind of a lot for our niche little community. And I just started making sure that what I was posting and presenting to the world was something that I would be proud of. But the whole time it was, it was never really, I don't, I don't know. It was never really like, oh, I'm just going to do this and just like have no reason for it. Like there was always climbing. It was always climbing specific. Okay. And what did you go to university for? I graduated a few years ago. Um, I started off like pre-med and then uh-huh. I went to biopsychology. So like our biochemical neuroscience kind of program. And then I realized like, oh my gosh, I don't want to go to med school. Um, so I tagged on an English minor last minute. So yeah. Very useful. I'm a I'm an English major myself. <laughs> I I really liked it. I think it helped. Yeah, cool. Like with videos and everything, I, I think it helps sure. with all of it. It's funny because that's always I'm like, yeah, here's my English majors. I'm like painting another house. <laughs> but um, one of the reasons you know, as I'm scrolling around and and looking at sort of internet climbers, one of the reasons I started to really look and watch you, and in a way, you know, prompted me to be like, I want to get in touch with her. Is because I saw like, you know, there was all the goofy climbing memes, you know, the the kind of standard ones. You, you end up seeing a lot of the same kind of or the, like people using the same clips. Like um, I've seen the and you use this one too. the old Greg ones pop back up, I love that. Um, which <laughs> I love that, that show like was like a meme. I mean a decade ago i think it's yeah it's from an old yeah yeah no a decade so, ago i was quoting old greg and so yeah, it like popped yeah. into my feed and i immediately just stopped what i was doing <laughs> to film it <laughs> yeah so so there's all those things but then i'm also watching you you know uh become serious and and evolve as a climber and that's for me the hook like okay so yeah here's let me forget about this social media what is she doing as a climber it's still important to me you know to watch people who are motivated to, you know, to try different things and to go on adventures elsewhere. And, um, and, and, you know, while I'll skip everybody else, that's when I'm hooked and and I've watched you. And I want to talk a little bit about a place as a jumping off point to talk about you as a climber, which is, um, this, uh, this climb once upon a time in the Southwest that you did in the UK E9, 6C, which I have no idea still what that means. I know that it's just hard and scary. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well it's probably good you didn't know right yeah um, no it was better i think <laughs> but uh but yeah and, and the reason i want to bring that up is because there's this this story around it and i don't know if it's true but i think i think it sort of is um based on even what you've talked about is is like going over there as a pretty novice uh trad climber as far as placing gear and then hooking up with tom randall <laughs> and his crew and then you know all of a sudden doing this like you know fairly good level test piece um there seems to be this narrative there where you just like did a crash course and then fired this route and i I, it's probably not as simple as that but i think it's a good place to talk about who you were before that and then you know a launching point for for maybe what you're becoming as a climber yeah oh it was just i feel like the most random series of events but um i i do i travel a lot um, which you know on my Instagram. And I was traveling through the UK and 
I realized that there were no hostels available for when I wanted to film with Tom. Sidebar, like that's another beautiful thing about the internet, you know, and having an Instagram. I was just like, oh, like maybe I can do a YouTube collaboration with the Wide Boys. Like I'll just reach out and see. And everyone's so welcoming. And they're like, yeah, no, that'll be awesome. So I had reached out to Tom earlier. Well, those, those guys in particular, <laughs> let's face it. Yeah. Yeah. They'll do. They were Tom, like, anyway, yeah. yeah, he was yeah. so psyched. He was like, yeah, like, let's do this. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And there were no hostels available. So I kind of was like, okay, well, either I just move along because there's nowhere to stay or I just like you know do the thing and I ask Tom if I can stay with him or a friend or something um and of course these are kind of I don't I wouldn't say like idols but you know I've looked up to people like Tom and Pete in the community just because they've done the thing that I'm trying to do and so I was like okay can I stay at your house and he was like that's totally fine we have a spare bedroom and then I kind of didn't leave for like a month and a half or so because he was like okay that was super fun like what are you doing now and I'm like I don't know he's like do you want to come to my project which was once upon a time in the southwest and I was like you know what like I'll come and see because it looks like a beautiful place to to just exist but I'm not gonna hop on probably you know like this is just some massive climb that I have no business being on And he was like, it'll be a top rope. It'll be fine. And I just totally hesitantly went into that experience. And I just got on the wall and I was like, oh, this is amazing. This is really, really cool. And it's not as hard. Well, maybe not that it's not as hard, but maybe I was just more capable than I had anticipated. And so then I just stayed and we just projected this climb together. And yeah, I really didn't know much about trad climbing. Um, I had led some five nines before <laughs> going to the UK, uh, but some Yosemite five nines. So like, of course, it sounds really intense, like from five nine to E nine. But it's like, OK, Yosemite five nines are kind of like five eleven sometimes. <laughs> um, and I just kind of decided not to care about the fact that I felt like such a small little person next to all of these professional climbers who happen to be mm-hmm. you know surrounding me and trying the same things and projecting the same things that I was yeah so that whole 5.9 to e9 is true yeah I, I read a little comment about that um just a few minutes ago on reddit I, I was like okay well that can't be true but it sounds like it was true yeah um I had been like following a lot of climbs so I had followed some like harder things but leading I had done just a handful of leads that was like one of my first main leads it, I mean it was it was my first real lead above five nine so yeah I'm trying to figure it out do you know what it's rated um in in uh in, oh, in uh Yosemite in Yosemite yeah it's like a 513 slash plus r <laughs> 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 yeah that has to be some sort of like world record leap that it has to be <laughs> because you did do it in the end right we're not you didn't just top rope it no i sent it on leave yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know it's awesome. ridiculous like i <laughs> i don't know like the thing is it was just it was so not on my radar and it was you know like it was just so outrageous and absurd that it just didn't matter that I was trying it. I was just like laughing the whole time. I was like, this is so ridiculous. And then it like came to this point where I was like, oh, oh my God, like I could do this. And then it became serious for maybe like the last 
two days or something. But the whole time I was just laughing. I mean, like, this is so fun. Like, this is so non-consequential. I'm just hanging out with people and top roping. And then I sent it on top rope and then I sent it on top rope with gear. And then all of a sudden the ropes were taken away and it was like, lead it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you head pointed it. Yeah, I head pointed it. Exactly. So, and so like, what about that part of it? it or anything like that? I was practicing. Yeah, yeah, no, time. no. It's yeah. fine. Um, I knew that. I mean, I, I, but it doesn't matter. I mean, but when you switched it up, like what about if you were never really into trad up to that point, then you probably weren't that into really scary climbing either. So what, what, like, what about when they rope disappeared? Like, what was your mindset? Were you just, did you have it on lock enough that you were comfortable or did you get gripped? No, no, I was, that was one of the most uncomfortable climbs of my life. Um, I did it third go. Uh, and I was like terrified. I mean, what are the, wait, let me go back just to get people involved. Like what are the potential like whippers you're going to take on this thing? And, and is it, it's not an X route necessarily, no, um, no. although an R can always, you know, result in some, but yeah, I mean, what, what was the potential like length of whippers in, in falling off the hard climbing? And oh stuff my like gosh. That? So there's like one, I guess, notorious area on the climb. We call it the runnel and it is just the biggest run out I've ever done on small thin holds that could break at any moment because it's by like a seashore sea cliff and that's kind of the battle you're doing as well because not only is the gear really spread apart in this in this specific area there's no gear but throughout the climb the gear is pretty spread apart but it's also that you're on this like fickle rock face um and holds break off all the time like we changed the crux like the, the crux just broke on us and then same with some of the upper holds and so you're kind of just tackling this idea that anything could break at any point but I'm still gonna do it and the gear was all micro gear. So even after a big run out, you know, you had really small RPs going into holds in rock that could break. So I think it can be deceiving when you see a video and it's like, well, there's a lot of gear at the beginning. And I'm like, yeah, but I trusted maybe three of those pieces. And then there was no gear. And then there were micro RPs. So I guess the fall potential was pretty big because this it was a 50 meter cliff. A 50 meter slab actually so a lot of the time you're just smearing and the fall I mean it would have been huge I don't think you would have decked I would have decked at the top of the runnel if the gear held at the bottom of the runnel but it's like a good 10 meter section maybe and so imagine just falling on that but then it's the gear thing right because <laughs> it fall out and especially if you um have never placed like half of those sizes cuz on 59s you're not placing micro rps so it was the first time i'd placed any of these holds and i had never fallen on gear before so i didn't really know if what i was doing would be safe but that's that's when it like the reason i did it and the reason i felt confident to do it was cuz tom went back up like every time I tried it on top rope and set the gear he would say okay these all look good or like okay this one's gonna hold this one was bad and I would just slowly learn how to place these very specific gear placements uh-huh <laughs> I love this story it's so like it's so contradictory to the like the era I came from where I was you know I was supposed to climb for several years without ever falling on gear and like you know do a hundred five eights and then do a hundred five nines and then do, you know like it was such this different world which is you know you're not the first person to to blow that apart it's just been blown apart especially by gyms but uh, but that's an amazing story and so when you said it was the third try you mean on lead 
Yeah. Um, what, what did you just like, what happened on the other tries? Did you um, take whips or were you just yeah. like too nervy and, and hung or what? So it was the third try of that day and my fourth lead go actually. Okay. Um, the day before, or the trip before, I guess, the time before, Tom and I had used different gear for the climb just because, you know, everyone climbs differently and maybe one gear placement or two were different because of how we were climbing the route. And mm. so I remember the first time I fell, I had to basically just climb down and come down because... I had forgot to rack my gear and I had Tom's gear and I was like, oh my God, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I don't know where to put this and it won't fit where I need it to. So I just kind of like, I'm coming down and I dropped the piece. Actually, I I dropped Tom's piece that like I wasn't going to use and I was a total mess and I just came down and then (laughs) I was like, we're not going to count that one. That doesn't count. It totally does. Yeah. Cause I like kind of, I'm officially saying that it doesn't count. And then on that day, I took legit falls. I think one of those falls has made its way around the internet. Um, yeah, it's been pretty reposted, I guess, on every mm-hmm. site, it seems. Just like me whipping. It was posted on climbing magazines, like Whipper of the Week and everything. Okay. And I fell actually on one of the pieces that I was like most confident about placing. It was a number one, like a wild country number one. Mm-hmm. I had wedged into this crack and I was like this is good I can fall on this and so I was just going up and I just took this huge whip and that was my first fall and then my second fall was at the crux I fell on the smallest RP they have it was a blind placement this is (laughs) it sounds like so much worse when I'm saying it out loud I feel like it's not it wasn't so bad I was just like in the moment but you kind of like in the middle of the crux you um you can't see the gear placement and you're leaning to the side and you put this tiny one in where you can't see and you tug it and you just hope it works. And then what I do is I kind of like do a double clutch dyno on a slab and then you can check the gear to make sure it's good. But as I was dynoing, um, I fell and it was really smooth and the gear actually held. So the third time I sent that day. So those nice. were like my falls. <laughs> That's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. It's, I mean, this is, 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 this is the same climb that kind of, you know, is a big, uh, a big, a part of, uh, Hazel's story too, I believe. Um, yeah. was she the first woman to do it? Yeah. I can't remember. She was the, the first yeah. woman to do E9, the British grade of E9 right. as well on that climb. Cool. Right. So, I mean, yeah, but it's funny that something you went back to about holds breaking. It's like, it's so freaking British or UK mm-hmm. to have a classic, classic route that's like crumbly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, usually if it's like classic, it's like, okay, the thing's bullet, you know, it's like so bullet like and here's Hello. here's a classic route a storied route that's just like falling apart still and she, she broke a hold on her like they did a real rock about her and she literally oh, right. broke yeah, a yeah, hold. yeah if you remember mm-hmm. that and that's like yeah no totally that just still happens yeah, yeah. that's classic <laughs> and so tell me a little bit about like aside from you know being brought into the bosom of the wide boys you know what what, what did you feel about the scene over there having come from the states and it seems like I don't know, you had been up in 10 sleep or something forever. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, I don't know if that's the actual timeline, but um, yeah. I can imagine that going from there to a place like that is like, it's diametrically opposed in a lot of ways. No, totally. Um, so what was the scene like? How how was it for you? Yeah, it was, <laughs> well, it was very different because 
I don't know how many people have climbed at 10 sleep, but it's a really comfy place. Like the bolts are pretty nicely spaced and it's, I mean, it's, it's modern. Climbing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's sport climbing. So you're just like clipping draws, clipping bolts. I actually felt super confident at 10 sleep because I was like, wow, like this is great. I don't feel um, scared. And then immediately after I go to the UK and I'm like, wow, I am constantly scared. Not on top rope, actually. I'm, I'm pretty mm-hmm. good on top rope. I'm not so scared of that. Although the exposure on Once Upon a Time was really intense and it did take some getting used to because you kind of get vertigo up there. It's like you have the waves crashing and even on top rope, you're kind of just like, whoa, I'm really Mm -hmm. high up. But I would say the scene was, I don't know. I mean, I spent a lot of time with like Tom and other friends who came through and everyone was super nice. And Mm -hmm. it was more like... I don't want to say serious because Tom is super goofy if you know Tom and I'm really goofy, but it was also like there was some level of seriousness to what we were doing that was like, okay, this is this is actually kind of dangerous. Um, and we kind of all understood that, whereas in 10 Sleep, it kind of felt like this playground. Mm-hmm. But it was still goofy and it was still fun. And I think they're all just so badass. They're just like, oh, yeah, like we're going to try to find the direct start or we're going to do the oh, the walk of life to the right. I think Hazel was there as well trying that. And it was just like a really cool try hard atmosphere where people were laughing, but also really wanted to to do this and to try hard. I mean, one of the hallmarks of, of at least Pete and Tom that that I've always admired is just that. Actually, even going back to what we were talking about with social media, like I'm, I'm not interested in the climber who's just goofing off all the time. And even if they are popular, like sure. I want, I, I want to feel that like intensity at times. And the, I think one of the things I admire about those guys is they, is they do both. And it's like, yeah, they seem like these goofy guys that put together these ridiculous videos. But then you look at their resume, oh and you know especially when I was talking to Pete, I was just like, good Lord, like, you know, you at some point, like put that goofiness aside and put the hammer down frequently on All stuff that's like scary, hard, you know, so yeah. it's, it's, it's an admirable quality to, to do both. Like the brooding dark Lord kind of climber isn't that interesting to me either. <laughs> I want like both, you know, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it speaks to the human experience. I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it would be pretty intense and depressing to just be so serious all the time i don't think i would thrive under an atmosphere like that but at the at the same time like you're right you can't just be goofy and then expect to turn around and climb this really intense dangerous risky climb that takes all of your physical and mental effort so i think yeah just like being able to flip-flop is something that i've been doing a lot and i I think that's really important yeah yeah, it's funny. I have a Basque friend who's, he, he, he climbs in the creek or used to climb in the creek all, like more than I did actually for a lot of years. And he, one time he's asked me, he's like, what, 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 what's the deal with the funny hats? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I don't know. It seems like all these climbers like in Indian Creek are always climbing in funny hats. And I was like, <laughs> and basically it was that of like, you know, it's always this kind of roving party there, you know, and like yeah. a lot of people aren't taking it very seriously. And and he's like, a, you know, he's he climbing, he's serious about his climbing, you know, and it was just kind of a funny statement because I was like, yeah, yeah, I do see a lot of wigs and costumes and <laughs> funny hats down there, you know, like 
It's like, when are you going to take your funny hat off and like try something really hard? Um, But anyhow. There's like the flip side of that too, right? Where it's like wear the funny hat and still send hard, which I really love playing with that. Um, I don't know if you saw, but like my, my, I did this project in 10 sleep and I put on like big old space buns, (laughs) like just these huge, ridiculous buns that were like, like spacey and and like princess leia type yeah style and i was like okay. time to go <laughs> time to sign right. and then it got serious and i'm still wearing these buns and i'm just like <sighs> you know what I'm, I'm just pushing through i thought i thought it was hilarious i was like yeah. this is this is the video i'm gonna make i'm gonna make a video where i'm wearing these ridiculous space buns and that's exactly what i did <laughs> well i guess my point is is that you never get to the be able to send part if all you ever do is the the, the ridiculous part and so it's like the the guys and the gals and people like you you know that are like doing both it's because somewhere at some point you you know those guys were in the dungeon like literally in the dungeon you know doing their thing to like a level of pain tolerance that i have no idea about so it's like you know that that's kind of the thing and so you know I, i admire that too like yeah be goofy but it's after you put all the time in you know totally yeah i like that yeah tom and pete do that well yeah. So let's quit talking about those guys because we're here to talk about you. Sorry. This is our little love letter to them. I know. Uh, yeah. It'll just name the <laughs> podcast <laughs> or the, the title of this, this episode. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's move on. So, uh, but let's move back then. Uh, so, again, you, you kind of make this enormous transition. Um, I, apparently, you, you fall in love with slabs at some point, but we'll get to that in a second, too. <laughs> but yeah. So, tell me a little bit about who you were you know, before this trip, because this happens to a lot of climbers where they, they have a trip. I think that, you know, even if at the time it doesn't stand out later on, it can really stand out in their lives and their evolution as a climber. And I feel like this is probably this trip we're talking about is probably one of those. Um, you went a bunch of other places too, which we can get to, but what, what about who you were before that transition? Like what kind of climber were you, um, let's say in the couple of years before this, uh, this last season? Yeah. Well, always a slab climber. Um, <laughs> I have loved slabs since day one. I don't know why. I was just like, this is awesome. And so I started bouldering outside a lot and I would really gravitate to highball slabs. Like my first V1 through five, I want to say were all highball slabs. <laughs> V1, V2, V3, V4, V3. Right. Uh, and then what's your locale here that you're, you're, um, you're, you're accessing this kind of climbing. Well, where I am now actually near my parents' house, I'm in Southern California. So I was going to Black Mountain and Joshua Tree mainly. I mean, that's what's available, especially if you know Joshua Tree, like all of these climbs, you're just like, oh, right. (laughs) Like they're just so tall. And a lot of them are slabs. If, if you, if you choose the slabs, (laughs) they have them. And so this was kind of like right away I knew this was going to be something I love to do. And then I discovered Bishop a few years later and I was like, oh my gosh, more tall slabs. And I just really loved all of that, all bouldering. And I guess two years, maybe a little bit longer now, like two and a half years ago, I moved to Catalonia uh, to try to just kind of travel, do the thing I've always wanted to do, which was be away from home be an adult in the city, you know, like this coming of age story. And I was like, I have a job out there. I'm going to do that, like teach English and learn how to sport climb. So I started sport climbing, yeah, two and a half years ago, which was a total pivot from bouldering. And I feel like before this trip, I was kind of in this exploratory mindset where 
I was going to try other things like other than slab boulders and vertical boulders. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna just expand. Obviously, I wanted to climb hard. I wanted to try hard. I have that kind of like passion and that hasn't gone away, but it was more like, okay, I want to try to do more overhung climbs and then through bouldering, I want to do that in sport climbing. What's trad climbing? And I just had all of these things I wanted to do. And I totally just forgot about grade chasing for a second and just started learning. And that's kind of where I was when I left to the UK. I was just like, okay, let's do trad. Like, sure. And so I hadn't really climbed indoors for a while. And I totally was just like outdoor bumming and fan lifing and trying new things and getting shut down, like so shut down. Where were you in Catalonia, I, more or less? Yeah, I lived in Barcelona for six months. Oh, cool. And then I would travel kind of around there. And then I ended up in a small town called Coltenarco. So it's... Near what climate? It's near Oleana. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, that's more how we talk. <laughs> yeah. Countries. <laughs> so a little towns, town. whatever. Those are towns. But a, a lot, <laughs> a lot of climbing nearby. Like, it's not just Oleana. There's hundreds yeah, yeah, of crags. It's, it's, it's actually overwhelming. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome that you did that. Um, especially like not being much of a sport climber. It's usually, it's usually a destination after you've cut your teeth elsewhere. So, um, that, that's pretty awesome. But you know, it's funny because you're, you're talking about a type of climbing where I'm, I am actually now seeing these building blocks up to something like once upon a time in the Southwest, because, you know, aside from the gear, if you're highball bouldering, you've got a head, um, and you can hold on to small holds and, and you can stand on your feet and, you know, so it's funny. And then thinking about Joshua Tree, because it's like, you know, if you're out slab climbing in Joshua Tree, those have a very frequent tendency to be extremely run out as well because of the way they were bolted when they were bolted, often on lead um, or with a with an eye towards making them a little bit scary on purpose. So, yeah. So now I'm seeing more of this building block of like yeah. not just like some knucklehead, you know, that's, like five I mean, nine climber working themselves up to that. That's like, I mean, I mean, not as an insult, but <laughs> no, it's no, more yeah. of like, I, I yeah, think, th- th- it makes a little more sense now, you know? Yeah, that's the funny thing though. Like the narrative, because it sounds really cool and like a, it's true to a certain extent, like, okay, she came from five nine trad to this, but people don't realize that I've really been in this game for a while. And I, you can ask like, other people maybe eight years isn't a long time but for me I mean like that's a lot of my life and I've been like attacking I'm a really intense person I think like a lot of climbers or outdoor enthusiasts there's just like this addictive personality trait and so I've been just going like like I said my first v1 was this highball v1 like it that's not I feel like it's just a little bit crazy maybe um and then you have this highball bouldering and my love for slabs and exactly going to places that are notoriously scary even for bouldering and then because I like to jump into the deep end I yeah I just moved to Oleana basically and that was my first sport climb it was this 8a plus in Oleana it was like the first climb that I considered something I had sent because before I had just done a handful of climbs and I didn't really understand the concept of like not falling. I was like, okay, let's just get to the chains. I was like really not a sport climber. And so when I went to Oleana, it's like, okay, the rules are you start at the start, you finish at the finish, don't fall in between. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. And so I'm doing this at Oleana. And I think it's a really funny story because it kind of mirrors my trad story in a way. I like showed up 
with all this shiny gear, right? So everyone knows you're new. And then all my draws, I'd put them on backwards, like just upside down, because I didn't know <laughs> which side to put into the bolt and which side to... Do you know what I'm talking about? Like they were just all upside down. Oh, so your, down. Rope, your rope beaners on the... Yeah. On the draw or on the the bolt and your yeah <laughs> your ropes through the bolt side. So I you did know? that. I mean, that's not a fatal error. Anyway, it's not bad. But it and then I had a bunch of belay certification tags because I was so proud oh, sure. that I knew how to belay. And I showed up with all of this, and one of the strongest climbers in the world came up to me, and I didn't know at the time that she was. So she was like, "Hi, I just don't want you to go up the wall and put the draws on backwards." And also, you don't need those belay tags. And she's like, you might want to take those off. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel so embarrassed. And I just, like, quickly took them off. But some of them were, like, cinched on, you know, like those hardware right. cinched with the, Right, with, the, with the, uh, the zip tie. Yeah. So you needed, like, at least, like, a pair of scissors or something. It was so embarrassing. But I didn't even know it. I just it? showed up already. Who was it? I was like, who wants to belay me? I can belay. Look. <laughs> who, who was trying to help you? Oh, uh, this was Anak Verhoeven. Uh-oh. Yeah, we're still friends. We still like talk. Like, how are you? Like, how's Oliana? Um, and her and her dad like really helped me not look so much like a noob. But yeah, all right. So I feel like that kind of that's my personality trait. Um, mm-hmm. And then flash forward, and of course, I'm gonna hop on some hard trad. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I, you know, this will sort of start on stereotypical, but I feel like y- that a, a a woman climber like her is gonna like go out of her way to help another woman climber like that and i think like if i had done if i had been you like the dudes would have just like not even like come anywhere near me or like helped in any way shape or form or just been like god this american is fucked like why like you know what i mean like i think you you benefited there from being a woman and having this other woman at the crag of like I need to help this girl well, you know, immediately. That's funny to say that. I feel like that ties into this bigger <laughs> picture where like we have to have each other's backs um, just because mm-hmm. it's there's like there aren't many of us and especially mm-hmm. there like it's a pretty intimidating crag. I don't know like if you've been there or how mm-hmm. many viewers have been there, but it's like you hike up and it's just this the, the just the strongest climbers you've ever seen in your life mm-hmm. all next to each other all climbing yeah because they're all crammed into the middle of it yeah on like, they're all like there like 20 meters wide mm-hmm. of a wall that's got like all the hardest climbing around on it like ladura dura and you know 50 other ones but because when you say that it's funny because i went there with a friend um a local the same guy that made the hat comment in uh oh, in, in indian sure. creek but you know who's climbed a bunch of those routes but we we were kind of in a hurry and so i just kind of wanted to see it because we were around and uh we climbed like the two I always call myself a fringe dweller when I'm on these caves because I'll like go out to the edge of the cave where it's not so steep yeah, and yeah, yeah, climb yeah. those routes. Like all over the world, that's basically that's how like, it yeah. works. And so I like climb the two like complete grease fest, like 512 warmups on either side of the freaking main part. And then we bailed to a, a different crag that um, those are nice had just climbs. been developed. So. <laughs> the, the, yeah. the classic, classic Oleana warmups. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but it's just funny because I was like, I, I don't have time for the middle. I'm out of here. Oh my God. You know? <laughs> middle was scary. I was a, I was a little yeah. on the side. I wasn't in the middle middle, but I was adjacent. I was like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's awesome. Um, yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, so there's like an evolution. So let's go to the other side now where you are now. Mm-hmm. Um, you've learned how to play some gear apparently. Kind of. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so what do you suppose is like, 
I mean, you're still going to be after slabs. Like what, uh, what do you see your evolution? Not just, not what you want to do specifically, like telling me your projects, but, um, as a climber, like what's, what's your sort of next step you feel like as you evolve? Um, how I mentioned I was in this learning phase before, like leading up to once upon a time. And I feel like I'm now in this mental state where I really want to push it and see what happens if I start training, if I, you know, start regularly climbing. It's, it's kind of like, it's hard to explain because I don't want it to come across like that I'm not climbing all the time because I've really molded my lifestyle in order to be able to climb a lot. But in reality, when you're traveling all of the time or you're just projecting one or two things, like you're just not training. It's just not the same. It's not systematic. And so I've been doing this for years. And although I feel like I'm getting better, I feel like I would really benefit from some training. So these last few months, I've kind of just been home pretending to be a normal human with like a day job and then I've been training after. And I think my next travels are just going to focus on seeing what I can do physically and trying to keep up with that training um, and pursuing other hard slabs and vertical climbs, seeing where that goes. At the same time, I do want to keep exploring and trying other types of climbing, like who knows, crack climbing off with things like that. But I'm really excited to just push myself physically because I've done a lot of that whole exploration thing. And now I was like pushing myself mentally and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to like see how hard I can go. Yeah. That's kind of next. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also sort of this old style attitude to think that just cause you're climbing all the time, you're going to just incrementally get better and stronger, you know? And, um, cause that's again, pre-training, you know, only like a very elite few were training when I started climbing and, and, uh, yeah, it was just this idea that if I climb all the time, I'll just slowly get better, you know, but, um, I mean, we're in a new paradigm, especially if someone who's up towards the limit of, of grades, I mean, um, you've climbed 514, you've climbed five, a lot of 513, like that's, you're up there where it's like, yeah, you can't just pretend anymore to yeah. and, and think you're just going to get better. You know what I, I mean? I feel like I've kind of gotten to a point, at least for now, where I'm like, okay, this is where not training took me which is like pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was really excited. And I've, I've done like some training here and there, but never more it, than like a week yeah. or two. So it's nice. Well, it's in, t- <laughs> to be honest with you, it's very impressive and it's a lot of natural talent and, and, um, and dedication to, to say that, to be like, look, I mean, cause you've, you know, it's not like you're some slouch, like you got a long ways. And, um, and I think it's such a great attitude to now sort of like you know slather some training on the top of it and see what happens um as long as you know you don't take all the fun out of it too because that other lifestyle is really fun and just being like i'm gonna try this and i'm gonna try this and then i'm gonna move on and like you know that's a really fun lifestyle um but i also think that like yeah if you're a serious person there's a point at which you can kind of end up just spinning your wheels in that in that world you know i think there's a place for both and I'm not trying to eradicate one over the other. I'm I'm just like really excited to be putting this in to my routine. I want to do it like maybe six months out of the year or something, like six months training, six months travel and fun. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know like what ratios and when, like maybe three months at a time or something like that. But I'm just like really excited to do that because I feel like it's been a long time coming but I never really wanted to train because I was really nervous that that was not like I wasn't going to be good like you know it's it's like one of those things where you have to be like 
accepting the fact that you're going 100% for something that you actually really care about and like what if I train and I'm just like still shit or something I feel like that's kind of in the back of my mind I'm like I'll just travel I'll just have fun whatever but now I've kind of committed to believing that maybe I can be better so it's like a new chapter I feel like and I think that comes with confidence and maybe the confidence of sending things like the 514 and 10 sleep or once upon a time where I'm like okay maybe I can do this maybe this is something that I can uh, pursue without the fear of of failure because I'm not going to fail just because how can you if you're having fun and trying hard so it's just like a, a new frame of mind that I'm trying to really solidify <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know yeah. if that makes I mean, any it's, sense it's... or if anyone else is in the same boat but I was like terrified to just like put 100% of me into this it's it's it makes complete sense um everything that you're saying makes sense and and it also like I feel like there's a lot of chatter on both sides. You know, there's a lot of chatter that goes with like, uh, you know, you can't be a good climber if you don't train. And what are these people doing? Like wasting their time and wearing funny hats and things like that. And then the the other chatter is like, you know, you're going to ruin the soul of climbing by, you know, projecting and like, why, why take all the fun out of it? And so, you know, and I, I feel like you probably have feet in both of those camps, but yeah, it's, it's about a little bit of a balance, but um, I, I'm always surprised at how like a real dyed in the wool kind of like, you know, road dog sort of climber can get like really pissy about people who train. You know what I mean? Like as if it's like a really bad thing. Yeah. You know I mean, what I mean? You like, know what I'm talking about? It's totally like, okay, when I was at university <laughs> and studying, right, I would right. like hear this all the time. It would be oh my gosh, like, I didn't even study and I still got an A or something. And you're just like, it's it's that desire to be just effortlessly good at things, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's some, there's some esteem that comes with it being like, I don't even train and I could climb X, Y, Z, whatever, whatever that means. And like, that's why Mm -hmm. when I say this, it's really hard to say because I don't want to mislead people into thinking like right. she doesn't do anything and then all of a sudden she goes she laughs a little she climbs 514 and she comes back it's not like that like when I say I'm not training mm-hmm. I mean I'm not like I'm not doing some schedule on a hangboard I'm not climbing indoors but like I'm trying really hard all the time and it might as well be training but it's outside but it's like not training and mm-hmm. it's just like hard to get across both ideas where it's like okay I'm trying hard. I'm outside. I'm not just off the couch strong. But at the same time, like, I do think having a training schedule is going to help a lot. And it's like balancing those two ideas. But I've definitely heard that. Just like, oh, yeah, like, it's, I just it's climb funny. and that's better somehow. And it's like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's also like a, it's also a lifestyle choice. It doesn't always work. Like if I didn't, if I didn't actively train because of the way my life is like, I'd be useless on the rock. So I'm at a point in my life, not just age wise, but also family style that I got to do it or I'm, or I'm giving up, you know, it's kind of like, I mean, so, that's the thing anyhow, but let, yeah. Let, yeah, go ahead. Oh, Sorry. I was going to say it's such a privilege to be able to climb outside all the time. And like, I've definitely mm-hmm. made it. So all of my jobs are remote and like my life is for climbing. And if you don't totally reorganize your life, that's, I mean, that's so hard to do. I don't know. I feel Mm -hmm. like that's just kind of wild to expect just anyone to drop everything and only climb. Let me pivot a little bit um, away from your climbing um, and and talk about you you as sort of a person in in the climbing space. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about being a woman in in the climbing space, especially traveling as much as you do, um, introducing yourself to new groups. 
and finding your way around the country and around the world. So the Me Too movement started and is, is ongoing. Um, and one thing I hear from women a lot of times is this idea that there's this sort of like kind of subliminal or constant like minor threat out there in the climbing world, whether it's in the gym or whether it's in the space at a climbing cliff. You know, I hear stories about kind of dudes like pushing their way into things and and sort of getting in women's faces occasionally. And and the thing is, is that within my circle of, of female climbing friends, I've talked to them and they don't necessarily see it the way it seems to be talk, being talked about online or, or in these stories that I've heard. They've been around a long time and a lot of them are like, no, I've never really felt that. What What is your sort of feeling about being a woman in this space, especially as you've gotten into climbing hard? Um, I think that puts you in a in a little bit of a smaller group and interfacing maybe with people at the cliffs a little bit differently. Do you have anything to say about what it's like to be a woman out on the road um, in the climbing space and, and how you've felt about your, I think, security and safety out there in that world? Yeah, well, I think um, just to start the conversation, it is like mm-hmm. pretty intersectional and dependent on where you are if you are experiencing mm-hmm. certain degrees of of sexism where you where you climb so i think it depends on a lot of things it depends on and not that it should but it just does this is the world we live in it depends on what you're wearing it depends on how you're presenting it depends on are you in a more conservative area or is it more liberal do you choose to adhere to feminine standards like shaving your armpits or not how much do you deviate from the norm of femininity that we have given ourselves in our culture and in the culture that you're specifically climbing um, within. So uh, if if your friends haven't experienced the same degree, maybe as other women are talking about, I would urge you to not think that that is a universal um, experience um, or it's an outlier. I would say that everyone's experience is going to just be different based on what they're doing and how they are. So, because I get so many comments about this, and it's like, well, I don't experience mm-hmm. that. And I know that's not like you weren't being aggressive or attacking in that way, but I mm-hmm. do get a lot of aggressive comments like, I don't see this. This is not what I experience. Therefore, you're lying, mm-hmm. or something that really like discredits my experience or gaslights me. And it's like, okay, <laughs> this is like right. such a, an individual experience that I share with a lot of women. So it's like individual, but also communal. My own experience hasn't been great to start off with. I live in a really conservative community and I experienced sexism daily at my climbing gym. And I've noticed that as I've gotten to a level that's more uh, maybe intimidating uh, might be the right word. Like, you know, you go into a gym and I just like I feel pretty confident that I can climb the harder grades. And it's just like people seem to be more... Um, distant when I'm climbing there you know like I don't get as many people trying to spray me with beta but maybe that's because I just kind of come in and do my own thing now and so let's see let me circle back I guess it really depends I haven't noticed it as much in the outdoor community just because when I'm climbing these days I, I climb with a small like a select number of people and usually we're off doing some random difficult climb in the middle of nowhere and I'm not going to experience sexism or any kind of discomfort because I know who I'm climbing with and I'm choosing my climbing partners based on liking them you know I'm like oh I like to hang out with you this is fine and there's no one else that's going to be here 
But let's say I go to a random town, maybe it's a little more conservative, I come in with my dyed bright hair, I'm wearing like sparkly makeup, and I have my nails done, and I'm climbing, I'm almost undoubtedly there's going to be some guy in rental shoes that makes some comment that makes me feel like shit. And it just happened the other day, like someone, I was like warming up on like a V4 and this group of guys was to the right and they were like, dude, if she can do it, you can do it. Just get on there. And I'm like, like oh my gosh, like that's crazy. <laughs> like it's not even directed towards me half the time. I'm just like, right. are we really thinking that way? You know, cause that just like, it right. just has so many implications. And then like, I think I was with friends when I sent my first I sent my first V10. It was a few years ago. It's gotten um, since downgraded to V9. So anyways, it was my first 10 at the time. And I remember the first thing I heard at the top was the conversation from guys I didn't know at the bottom. And one of them said, oh, dude, um, did she do it from the start? And then the guy was like, I don't know. But regardless, she did it the girl way. So it's not going to count. And I was just like, <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. So like immediately when I sent it, <laughs> that was what I heard. So like, yeah, what, what, it's, it's just rough. It's just like a rough time. What does it mean? So I guess like, was there like so I, I, I put my like foot <laughs> above my head because I'm super oh, flexible and I did right. that to reach a hold and mm-hmm. I probably made it look pretty, pretty easy that way because I wasn't right. like doing it the way where you have to like grab your hands and your feet and just like and dynamically burl out to like mm-hmm. some hold. I just like boop, put my foot where it's probably pretty hard for normal people to put their foot there, but I'm super flexible. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of like reached into the splits, put my foot there, drop kneed it, grabbed the crimp and then continued. And I think that somehow discounted my entire climb <laughs> in their, in their eyes. All right. Does it, does it pollute your, your feelings about the climbing community? Does it, like, how does it sort of make you feel about um, about our community that, you know, I'll admit I can sort of wax poetic about. But when, I, when I'm doing that, it's, it's interesting to hear you say that, like, this sort of gym kind of scene seems to be, at least for you, and again, this is your experience, so not to discount other people's experience, but what you're saying is that it seems to be, you know, quite problematic. And when I talk about, like, the climbing community, I, as, as this old school person, I like... I don't even count that. I don't even count gyms as part of it. <laughs> totally, totally. probably going to get me some, some mean mail, but like, I'm not, you know, it's like whatever community there is in some, some gym, I'm like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what happens out at the cliffs, but I, you know, I know that I'm sort of naive about it, which is why I'm talking to you about it. And, and while I do wax poetic about like how great the climbing community is, I'm, I'm not stupid enough to think that there aren't shitty people uh, within our outdoor climbing community. So is this enough for you to be occasionally soured on it or, or are you, um, I mean, how, how do you sort of internalize the, the frequency at which these kind of things happen? Yeah. I mean, oh, like not to paint it the wrong way. I really love the climbing community. I, I really Mm -hmm. love it. It's part of the reason I climb is the social element they're all so kind and nice. And what I'm realizing is a lot of these comments come from people who are newer to the game or people who have been around a really long time and are kind of like not excited about the change that's happening. It's kind of like this weird split that I've personally noticed, especially outside. That's what it happens to be. And I I wouldn't say I get disillusioned. I think sometimes it can be extra potent on Instagram because I'll get a lot of messages that might be 
well, they're just mean. I get mean, sexist comments mm-hmm. all of the time on Instagram, but it's a huge audience now that I'm reaching to. And it's not, I'm not just saying like my followers, it's just whoever happens to come across my videos, my reels, which are also um, being presented to people who don't climb. So I get like the real world sometimes on, on all mm-hmm. of the platforms. And I think that's honestly the worst bit of it. I'm not disillusioned at all, again, about the climbing community, but it does make me mm-hmm. step back and be like, okay, there there is some work to be done. And I just get to see a lot of the negative and it just sticks in my brain pretty easily because it's hard to forget nasty comments. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a weird mix because like in real life, I'm not getting so many nasty comments anymore and I know how to deal with them. I kind of talk back and just make sure they know that it's not okay. And I'll just be like that, like, hey, what you said is not okay. And then people usually are just like, uh, you know, just like, okay. And I'll be like, yeah, like that kind of offended me. Just let them know and then move on, right? Um, But online, Mm -hmm. it's a little bit trickier. Yeah. Well, I think that's also, I mean, you know, I don't discount the idea that you confronting someone about something they said in person is, is, you know, it's a courageous thing because it, it has, it can have some risk to it, depending on where you are, what the audience is, you know? So it's like, I don't, you know, when people are like, well, you should just stand up for yourself. It's like, yeah, but I I understand that there's, it's, yeah, it's not without it. I mean, as a guy to a guy, I, I, you know, would think twice and because I'm not confrontational and I don't need something to go beyond. But I think in some ways though, then when, it, when a, a, a woman does stand up like that, it, it can be a very quick, you know, diffusing of it because a guy like confronting another guy, that's like, you know, we go into yeah, sort like of lizard brain, primal territory. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? But, I, but I don't discount the fact that if you do say something about something that offended you, 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 you put yourself at a little bit of risk. And it's real. It is. I mean, it is. And it's scary. And it sucks. Like, there's no getting around that. It's just not a fun experience. Um, And I'd rather not call people out. Like, I I mean, Mm. internally, I'd rather not. Um, But I just know from years of dealing with weird comments and like even just like weird passive comments, like the one I had mentioned before, or comments like, yeah, but how much do you weigh? Or or like little micro things. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like this is it's just... Like not something. Those holds seem big because you have small hands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like oh, like yeah, but your hands are pretty small, and you're like really flexible, and you weigh a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, like that's part of like how I climb. Like, what are you? The cards I was dealt. Like, I'm like, that's what I. You have testosterone and muscles. Testosterone and big muscles. Yeah, exactly. Are we just stating the obvious? Like, of course they weigh less than you. Like that's, like that comes at, like with the fact that I don't gain muscle very fast at all. And like, I mean, it's just. It's so person to person. And so I've found that over the years, I've gained a lot of, um, I want to say confidence is the right word here, in dealing with people and not being scared about that. It was harder when I moved to Spain because I had to do it in Spanish. (laughs) But I still like, I feel like it's still important to convey. And I've definitely been working on that. And I think it's better because it comes with educating. But I don't think that everyone needs to. It's like one of those things like, don't let the burden of education be on the minority, which in this case, I'm mm-hmm. talking about women generally. But at the same time, if I can, I will. And I'll, I'll step in for other women too. 
I do it all the time. I think some guy asked like a girl, like a 14 year old girl, how much she weighed. And I just like came storming down the gym from the other side of the gym. I was like, hey, don't ask her that. And I was like, you don't have to answer that. And I was like mitigating the situation. I'm like, that's so rude. She's like 14 <laughs> or 12 uh-huh. or like she was little. I was like, oh my gosh, like this grown man is asking a little girl what she weighs as if it's going to help him. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, I, earlier in the podcast when we were talking about social media and you mentioned messages and having to answer messages, yeah. I remember I said, oh, yeah, let's talk about that later. Yeah. And that's part of what was in my mind because I've said this many times, but the Enormacast has been surprisingly free of like um, absolute trolling and like anger and, you know, people like really dissing me. If, you know, if I go deep into it, reddit or the old taco um super taco there definitely are detractors right um you know everyone loves the show loves the way i do it or anything like that but no one's really ever attacked me uh personally as as a stand-in for attacking the show or anything like mm-hmm. that that i can think of um but i know this goes on like so heavily with people who have put themselves in this position of being a personality online and uh, i don't know any even sort of prominent women climbers that don't receive um, the kind of messages you were just mentioning. I've been thinking about it because I don't see an analog for male climbers. Um, you know, male climbers like climbing ability can get attacked for sure. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. why is that guy sponsored or that guy sucks? Sure. Or like I heard he, you know, bullshitted his way up that route or, you know, there's these, these attacks, but there's this like sexual and physical nature to the way women get attacked that men just don't. Um, you yeah. compare two accounts online of two famous climbers and, you know, like Sasha to Julian to, uh, you know, to Andre to some some sort of analog to her. And there's no version of that that men get. Um, it's a whole I mean, they get attacked for sure. But it's, I mean, it's uh, the Internet. Yeah. No one's yeah, safe. <laughs> but the but the the attack on that part of a of a woman's, you know, position or her, you know, vulnerability is is very unique. and. It's, you know, and it's, let's face it, it's coming from men. So it's something that I've been thinking about a lot. And I also have a lot of empathy for when I, you know, see people who, who put themselves online like that. And it's such a, you know, like your, your, uh, Instagram is, is fun. It's positive. You're never dissing anybody. It's goofy and all those sorts of things. And yet it still invites that it's really outrageous and wild to me. Yeah. I mean, it's just my existence. And that's, mm-hmm. that's it. Like, yeah, there's no Instagram that I could create looking the way I do where I don't receive that. It's just mm-hmm. impossible. It's an impossible ask. So that's like one of the main things that I try to like remind myself, like, you know, like, it's just, I'm not going to be for everyone. And even if I am, like, it will not stop any of the negative comments that are targeting just my womanhood, like how I look, Mm -hmm. how I'm presenting myself. Mm -hmm. I remember Mm -hmm. I was doing this like hard 513, like notoriously stiff cave tufa 513. And I put in a knee bar and I, and my belayer was like, how uh, secure are you there? And I was like, I'm pretty secure. He's like, okay, okay, one sec. I'm just going to take like a phone picture. You look really cool. Took a phone picture. And then I put it up because it looks really awesome. And it's like me in a knee bar 
it's like my butt, but like because I'm doing a climbing move. And it's a really similar picture actually to one that Adam Andra has posted in the past. And there was a whole Reddit forum about like, why is she getting so much hate for this when Andra has the same picture? And it was like us side by side, which I'm flattered, right, right to be considered part of that comparison. But it was like <laughs> one of the first times where I was like, yeah, like that's really, really it's, it's just because of my body or it's just because of how I look. It's because I'm a woman. That's it. That's the mm-hmm. only difference mm-hmm. here. And like, obviously, sure, Andra is probably doing something way harder. But in reality, like, it's hard enough to be in that, I think, that range where people can respect that you're doing something. Like, it was a similar vibe. And yet, like, all of this hate on my picture and none of the hate and only praise on Adams. So, yeah, <laughs> it's been tough. Right. It's been it's been a right. journey. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, w- w- let me ask you this. It's been a journey is it is a telling statement. Like what like what kind of strategies have you put in place for yourself to, you know, stay away from the comments? Or do you just, you know, have you just found yourself in a mental place where you can dismiss them? Or do you talk to somebody when they get to you? Like what, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I mean, you're not just like sitting there hoping this feeling goes away you know so yeah it maybe as advice to 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 other women who are in this game or or want to be in this game yeah i think the first failed attempt of curbing these comments were only posting pictures or videos where i was in turtlenecks (laughs) so there's like there's like a section of time (laughs) where i'm literally in turtlenecks and like it's really hard to like it was just like i was like you know what like i'm so tired of being objectified like i'm literally Mm -hmm. just gonna be wearing baggy t-shirts and turtlenecks like i can't show my body and get respect like these are things i can't do together um and slowly i'm coming out of that where it's like okay I should be able to t-shirts now. t-shirts yeah <laughs> no it was really funny I have like all these turtlenecks like, baggy t-shirts to I'm, I'm gonna make the next step to baggy t-shirts it's just like but then all your photos turned up on some turtleneck fetish site right. anyway so it was exactly. like whatever so like I think part of it was just being like okay this is stupid because I should be able to wear whatever I want And Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. understanding that I should be able to, there is a simultaneous understanding that that doesn't mean that everyone's going to agree. And the best thing I've come up with is basically just delete, block, and move on. And that's it. And there are some comments recently. I don't know how much you've been following my Instagram, but I will post about it every now and then because Mm -hmm. I do want people to realize that this is happening and this is something that I actually have to deal with daily. Uh, I don't think a lot of people realize how bad it can be. I don't think a lot of people realize that I delete maybe up to five comments a day because they offend me. And they're objectively offensive. I'm not deleting things like that I feel like are an opinion. I'm deleting things that are like, get off Instagram, you whore. And I'm like, well, (laughs) you're going to get deleted. And I think just realizing that these people are really miserable and sad and they're hiding behind their anonymity, that word, right? But it's they're hiding behind their anonymity and it's such a reflection on them. And if you're happy with what you're doing, like that's what's important. And it's, it's, it's a process, like I said, because it's hard to not think about that especially people cut deep like you wouldn't expect it but they just like go in and they'll comment about something really specific and personal and I'm like well I was a little bit insecure about that already or something and you just have to be like no like it's fine like just keep going delete block 
and then I well that's the yeah. thing is they're like professionals oh my god you know, they're not getting paid but they're yeah. it, it, you know the vulnerability thing is is like they can yeah I mean they're good at it yeah. unfortunately like they're good at being evil um and it's interesting because it's evolving with this show and and again I'm you know I tend to talk to climbers of my generation or or you know the, of the last 10 15 years sort of historical level kind of stuff and more and more I've delved into this you know a younger world and and uh and it's made me realize just how bad it is because it's easy to be like oh yeah I lighten up it's a couple things here and there but everyone I talk to with the presence online as a climber and you and you and the and the thing is is that like you were talking about the turtleneck is that <laughs> you know you don't climb in turtlenecks like I would put it on you climbing. know what I mean it's, yeah. it's like and, and and the thing is is that there's this weird I mean it's kind of hard to explain without getting myself in trouble but you know it's like within climbing we admire the physical form we admire the fitness of people both men and women and so you know it's pretty easy to see how that can cross into you know a fetishizing or a sexualizing of a person when you know it's like yeah we we are i mean it's part of our sport is to to admire that in a person um, i mean and we work so hard but it's also mature yeah. to be able to it's also a sign of maturity to be able to divide the two and also not comment on the one you know I, you know what i mean sure. but yeah and i guess what i'm getting at is that in the last like year or two i've really realized like god it's a real pain in the fucking ass for these women to be online and uh and again, like bringing climb people in from outside of climbing too. And, you know, it's like, yeah, you can't do a knee bar without your butt sticking out. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, you know? it's just not. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, so. I was mid-send, everyone. Like, this was like yeah. a real-time photo. I was like. Right. And like, I got a yeah. lot of like, she's just posing. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I have a video of the send. Like, this literally within the send. <laughs> Well, we've we've moved beyond just posing anyway. Like, who cares? Also, also this, like, it's, I don't know. Like, I should be able to post a picture if my butt looks good or whatever in climbing. Because, like, like, I've worked really hard to get to the point I am in climbing. And I'm, like, pretty proud mm -hmm. of how capable my body is and that it can, like, mm -hmm. put my feet in this position to get that knee bar or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, really exciting for me. And it wasn't, it's not until recently where I've actually felt comfortable again wearing, like, uh, tank tops and razorbacks and things like that because i was like okay like maybe it's okay if i'm wearing a sports bra i don't know like let's try this out well and the fact that you even have to make those calculations is so uh, i mean it's just so part of the whole operation of of again like trying to attack a person's vulnerability um but i mean in all honesty like that would have been an interesting niche for you to be the turtleneck climber <laughs> i still you know? wear them when it's cold and they're pretty cool it's like, cool like patterns. it's like 90 degrees in rifle and you're Just like, like turtlenecking it <laughs> yeah <laughs> the girl who climbs slabs and turtlenecks i mean that's a niche that's like pretty wide open right now yeah i Just, feel like no know. one's taken that um no one's really right. taken the slab niche yet either so I'm well of... actually that's funny you say that because you have this you have merch and you have yeah. uh around slabs are sexy right and uh the slab climbing thing and, and uh, look let me tell you something you know i was like okay that's her thing like you know freaking office are used up about 10 years ago like off with got like cool again and you know, there's all these three people who are like off whistle my thing. I'm like, she just found this thing that no one else likes and it, she's like adopted it. <laughs> it's 
it's my thing. It's her thing. <laughs> but now we talked. I'm like, okay, no, she's got this literal like background in slap climbing. Like it's totally legit. No, like, it's not it, just but... a thing. I mean, like, I don't know. Maybe I'll ask you to delete this later. But they call me the slab queen okay. at home at my home gyms. And they have since I started oh, climbing right there. They were like the slab queen. And that's what my nickname is. And it has been since before I was sponsored before anything. I was that's how I got okay. sponsored. I climbed all the hardest slabs at my home gym with broken shoes because I couldn't afford new shoes. And um, my friend mm-hmm. was like, what are you doing? Did you just climb all my climbs? He was the headsetter at the gym. And, and those shoes, and he grabbed them. And he was disgusted and, and offended and all of that. And then the next thing I know, Evolve asked me to go to their warehouse and pick out some shoes so I can climb slabs. <laughs> right. So on. It's, okay. it's not like from nowhere. It's been in my bio since I've started the Instagram thing. But I feel like I really pushed it recently because... I was like, you know, why why does no one else like this? <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, maybe I should just like stir the pot a little, you know, add some controversy. I really like that. Abs- absolutely. And and the funny thing is is I'm like, well, why do we why do we hate slabs? Or why is it like the butt of the joke, you know? There used to be like, you know, friends don't let friend climb slabs was like a, <laughs> a, a kind of an old rifle meme or something like that and well, um, I'll give you my yeah, theory. Yeah, I'm not really sure, but I'll give you my I have theory. a theory too, but you okay, go first. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so I don't know how how founded this is, but I have you noticed that all the slabs outside seem to be really sandbagged? Like they are always really hard. Like people seem to not really give them the grades they're worth. And my theory is that they're really movement-based rather than this whole bravado, like, look at my biceps thing. And so I think women actually have a, an easier time starting with slabs because it's much more flowy, more technique, and less upper body strength, which is just how it is. Like, when I started climbing, it took, like, a year in order to do a pull-up. Like, this is just not what women can do right off the bat unless they have experience in other sports or unless they're, I guess, biologically inclined to to have muscle. So, anyways, a lot of my female friends, like, immediately gravitated towards slab, and I just feel like it might be a little sexist that no one likes slabs and has down – they've downgraded slabs, and it seems like there's this – lesser aspect to them like oh well that doesn't require as much strength or whatever it is in our priority lists it's gotten shoved way to the bottom and I think that's kind of messed up because it takes so much balance and strength of a different kind and mental fortitude to do slabs and so I'm just trying to like equalize the playing field a little bit because I think they deserve so much more respect like they are scary they're hard and like no one can do them (laughs) you just uh, I you I have a total agreement with you um, especially what you just said is they're scary because that, I think that's actually the biggest hit against a lot of slab climbing, um, is that it tends to be older and it tends to be bolted poorly yeah. if it's bolted. And then even if it's bolted well, there's like this scariness to like the, the idea that you're going to sort of slide down it if you fall and like, you know, whatever. I have like chunks out of my scrape your nipples off or something. I have chunks out of my shin from falling on slabs. Like, so yeah. yeah. So, so that's actually been my, my main, my main theory is just that they're generally pretty scary. Um, and they, (laughs) and so, and even like a trad slab, you know, where you're trying to fiddle pieces in like you did at a much lower level, let's say a five, nine version that it's still, yeah, I think they have a tendency to be scary and that's what it comes down to. But you are also nailing it with, the you can't burl your way through them and and that with 
especially gyms because they they devote very little <laughs> terrain to slab climbing. Um, they used to more so. Mm-hmm. I'm sure like older gyms, they had a lot more yeah. slabs in them. But yeah, I mean, we we people just you're you're right. They suck at them, and people don't like to do things that they suck yeah. at. And if they have if they climb five whatever on steep sport climbing, and now they climb five nine or whatever on a slab that makes them mad yeah and it's not like <laughs> and they won't yeah, go back and do you it you can't do a bunch of pull-ups <laughs> and just get good at it like right. it just takes right. the time like you have to sit under that slab and then you might not go anywhere and that's like they're so mm-hmm. frustrating like if you've been to bishop joshua tree and you're trying the slab mm-hmm. and you're just like on the start move and then you fall and you're like okay and then you're smearing in a different location but there's no holds and it's just like mm-hmm. yeah people don't like to be bad at things and I mean, I have really learned to love to be bad at things. This is why I'm doing so many different styles of climbing. I'm I'm really bad at off with. I'm really bad at like most of the mm-hmm. things I've been trying, but like that's probably why I really gravitated towards slab. I was like, okay, this is just like mental determination, really. Like you have to sit under slab for so long in order to get that move. And then that grows over years and years and years of doing that. Like now after eight years of doing so much slab climbing, it, it just adds up. It's like you're training your brain and your muscles to just balance perfectly where it needs to well el cap is very uh popular in the imagination and and most of the modern routes on there are slab climbs so that's true um, yeah you know i think so it's like yeah i've got to go and like start doing more big wall i need to learn like rope systems that's that's also some like future goals of mine yeah, I think you. I think you'd kill it up there. You know, ask 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 Hazel. Yeah, um, she's killed it up there, and she's she's coming from that slab background. So, um, and uh, she she's definitely killed it up there. But um, yeah, it's funny this slab thing. It's always been the butt of the jokes, and here you are. Like, although I mean, I I, I get like the catchiness of slab is sexy, but I don't. You know, <laughs> like you can hate on it all you want. This is just you know the the sort of stink bug. Like position isn't like the sexiest position. <laughs> Do you know like, what I mean by the, the stink bug? The movements are so sexy. You can't deny that the movements in slab are so sexy. Like you just flow. For the person doing them or the person watching Maybe them? the person doing them. Yeah, I think it's the person but doing them. that's what's important anyways. Like it's just. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess like if well, you're anyway, on the wall just, like oh my god i'm gonna die it's not like the most right, sexy position right. um, but i think slab yeah movement, well you know you're coming for those off with people like that that's passe it's slabs now yeah exactly i'm it's the new it's the new fad trust me join join buy a sticker <laughs> you're gonna want it everyone's gonna be talking about slabs just like you wait where do they get their stickers <laughs> did you build your shop yet i saw a post that you were going to yeah Okay. I have some, Where did they find it? Like some cool slab is sexy merch. Uh, you can find it on Etsy. <laughs> okay, cool. You know, we were just talking about sort of all this negativity around um, what happens to to women out there. So let's let's go the other direction. Let's talk a little bit about you feel sort of like not just as a climber, but sort of in the media landscape, like what the sort of strengths of of you know being a popular figure who's a woman like. If you can, if you can address, you know, sort of your journey through it, but also, you know, you becoming a role model to people, because I think at times when people decide that they're going to be a public figure, they sort of forget a little bit about maybe that part of it, that all of a sudden that you're, you're not just this figure of admiration, but you become something of a role model to 
everyone, but also to in this day and age to other women. Um, and you've talked a little bit about that, even in a roundabout way on this interview of, of how you've, you know, dealt with being a woman in this space and everything like that. So tell me a little bit about how you feel about that and what do you think your strengths are um, as a role model and as a media figure? Yeah, I mean, that's a hard hitting question because this has been on my mind a lot recently. I know we were just talking about all those negative comments, but I get a lot of beautiful Mm -hmm. positive comments, mostly from women and like young girls about how I'm their role model. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. And I kind of want to just <laughs> disappear a little bit because I'm like, am I, am I the right person to be in the spotlight? Um, but I think it's really important as I move forward just to be super honest. And that that's, I, I feel like we learned that in kindergarten, right? We, we learn how to, how to person um, from an early age. But I think it's especially important if you're in the public face, just to be like, not presenting a side of you that's perfect, but also not presenting a side of you that is going to be, I guess, that's going to make people concerned about how you are mentally. I, I just feel like there's a lot that I've been thinking about. And I want to show women and girls that they can be really, really strong. They can have a lot of fun. They don't have to look like the everyday narrative we get of people who are in the outdoors um like you can like fashion and you can get your nails done and you can still crush and then also that you can also be um vulnerable emotional you can be all these things that i feel like the climbing community or at least maybe this older climbing community has really pushed down you wouldn't really hear climbers talking about fear as much I feel like in the past and you wouldn't really talk about the process you would just see the send and you wouldn't take a picture on a climb unless you've sent it um you wouldn't show the falls I I feel like there was just like this culture of being this macho climber and that women have always tried to well maybe not always I feel like women have tried to fit that mold as best as they can, but I kind of want to throw in a new option. It's like, we don't have to be a version of this bravado man. Like you can just be yourself and that's, that's enough. And so that's kind of what I'm pushing. Um, And I, I hope it's getting the right message across and I hope people aren't taking it in the wrong way. And that that's all I can really do. I can just try my best and put that out there and put out positivity and just hope the rest kind of unfolds. But yeah, it, it's it's like kind of out of my hands in a lot of ways. I just do the best I can. And that's it. It's cool that you're you're talking about that as a paradigm and, you know, without sounding like a jerk, you didn't invent that. No. Um, it's It's like a new it's a new wave of what's happening in climbing with women and i don't i mean when i say new i'm not saying like you know yesterday or whatever but as someone who watches media who interviews women it's like whether it's a a female influence or whether it's a trend that's you know a little bit bigger than just women um this idea of vulnerability within the stories and climbing i think has grown a ton in the last 10 years you know the buzzword was storytellers. And a lot of times a storyteller in the outdoor space is simply that, that we're going to go beyond like the basics of man climbs mountain, man achieves, man, you know, comes down to accolades kind of a thing. And um, so when we were talking about influence that women have on the sport, I think that's a really big one that's leaked into, into men's, you know, stories that they're telling online as well. 
And, and I have, a, I mean, I can't say this for sure because it's a very amorphous thing to talk about, but I feel like that it has been the influence of women like you and, you know, maybe your predecessors of the last few years that has pushed everybody towards that space, if you will, um, of, wow, it's, it's, it's interesting when I, when I talk a little bit about like troubles I'm having, that gets a lot of interest. Do you know what totally, I mean? Or yeah. when I talk about these things around the send, you know, that gets a lot of interest. Yeah. And and do you know oh, what I mean? Totally. That's um, what I've I've been noticing a lot. Like people are really respecting that and they're craving it. It's like there's been this void mm-hmm. and all of a sudden people are being vulnerable and talking about how it's a strength. And I I think it's great. I think it's beautiful. I think it adds a lot to the sport too. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I feel like it's, it's sort of a, a, a thing that's being spearheaded or at least, you know, pushed again by, by women climbers like yourself. And it's, it's more leaking into like the male side of things. And um, yeah, and I think it's a good thing too, because it's just, as, it makes the whole, I mean, I wouldn't have a show. I wouldn't have this podcast if that wasn't the case, if people didn't crave stuff behind how hard you climb. And that's been the running joke for years of like, well, who cares? You know, I do care still. Um, And a lot of people We want people. Yeah. Yeah. And we want people to perform because we want to admire them as the work they put in, you know, and it's like not unusual that, that, you know, LeBron James gets more press than the ninth man on the Clippers or whatever, or some other team, you know, it's like, it's, it's understandable. We're humans. We want, you know, we want to be impressed. We want to be inspired. Um, but there's just so much more around it, I think. Um, and again, that's, be, I think, become come from that side of the influence of, of people like you that are doing that um, at, at some level. Yeah, I mean, that. You know. I, I hope that I'm having some impact. And I, I don't know how, how far my reach is, but it's nice to know that within some communities, like what I'm doing actually makes a difference. And hopefully it will continue to make a difference because I think it's making it just overall a more inclusive space for everyone to feel all of the feels and just enjoy the sport as what it is. All right, folks, thanks for listening. And thanks to Anna for making the connection and doing that, sitting down, talking, having fun. And I love the image of her marching across a gym and confronting some dickhead. Hopefully we're all backing up the women that do that. Okay, folks, getting to be springtime. Definitely desert season out here in the West. I know the ice is still hanging there too. But whatever you're doing out there, make sure you look after each other. Confront misogyny. Confront racism. Because she does that too. We didn't get into that. Banana is a uh, crusader in that field as well. So... Let's follow her example. Make it a more pleasant, inclusive place out there. More fun for everybody and safer. Of course, check your knots. Hi there. Who are you? I'm old Greg. Pleased to meet you. 
What do you want? Maybe I should ask you the same question. What you doing in my waters? Just taking the air, you know, not fishing. Well, then how come this hook's in my head, fool? It's nothing to do with me, sir. It's attached to your rod, mother lecker. Don't kill me. I've got so much to give. Easy now, fuzzy little man, Peach. Hmm? You ever drunk Baileys from a shoe? What? Gonna come to a club where people wear on each other? No. I'm gonna hurt you. Excuse me? I like you. What do you think of me? I don't rightly know, sir. Make an assessment. I think you're a nice, modern gentleman. Don't lie to me, boy. I'm not lying. I know what you're thinking. Here comes old Greg. He's a scaly manfish. You don't know me. You don't know what I got. I got something to show you. You know what that is? That's old Greg's vagina. I got a mangina. I'm old Greg.